Welcome to Racing Sparks, the podcast that delves into the captivating world of childhood, where sparks of imagination and potential ignite. I'm your host, Maria Bello, communications expert and passionate advocate for personal development. I believe that within each child lies a universe of infinite possibilities. And it's our responsibility to nurture those sparks of brilliance. On Racing Sparks, we'll engage in enlightening interviews, providing us with practical tools to support and cultivate resilience from an early age. Get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and transformed. This is Racing Sparks. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Racing Sparks podcast. And today's episode is dedicated to discovering dyslexia and celebrating neurodiversity. And for that, we have a very special guest, Lynn Greenberg, mother who wrote a book with her son, Jonathan, and both experienced life with dyslexia firsthand and who are now launching their latest book, Robbie the Dyslexic Taxi and the Airport Adventure, illustrated by Jonathan himself. So welcome, Lean, to the Racing Sparks Collective and for joining us on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, Lean, thanks. And you're now a retired attorney, wife, mm -hmm. mom, and grandma, and anyone can relate to you. You, you love to cook, you exercise, you read. And through your experience, you have seen how positivity with feelings and differences can allow children to grow into happy and productive adults. And over 30 million Americans living with the power of dyslexic thinking, I believe that your story can inspire and teach other parents that they are not alone. So tell us more about your story, what it was to raise a neurodivergent child with dyslexia and how it allowed you to embrace differences and see life with a different lens. So, you know, thank you again. We're really excited to be here. John sends his regards. When John was very little, he is my youngest of four. I knew he was very smart. He could tell me any Thomas the Tank Engine's name, but not tell me that Thomas started with the letter T. Mm. And I saw that he was learning differently from my other kids, you know, and everyone learns differently, but I just knew something was up. And so, you know, people would tell me that he's just not smart. And I knew that wasn't true. So I started reading more and more about, about um, why a child might not learn how to read the same, you know, normal way. And I had him tested. Sure enough, classic dyslexic, super smart, just needed to learn how to read differently. I love that. That was one of the, that was going to be one of my questions, like how you discover Dyslexia, and especially for parents out there listening right now, how you can discover that? Because sometimes, yes, can be just like different ways of learning, um, but how, how they can discover it and what were, were those things that you saw different that makes you be more curious and, and discover dyslexia? So I think it's super important, really. I think their teachers try very hard. But, you know, there's so many kids in a classroom and you have to kind of teach to either the bright or the, you know, less, you know, sort of teaching to the group. And not every child can learn that way. 
And I think it's important for parents to sort of listen to the cues. The teacher might tell you that your child isn't smart, but I think you have to go with your gut. And I think you have to sort of listen to your child and listen to the nonverbal, you know, look at the nonverbal cues. Like, are they acting out? Are they, you know, frustrated? I think it's really important to really listen to your gut and listen to your child and not just listen to the experts, you know, quote unquote. And I love what you're saying here because part of the concerns that I found in parents about dyslexia is social and emotional impact and how education, like the environment can affect that. Because I believe it's a big statement that you can label a child from an early stage to say, it's not as smart, like why, based on what, right? So I think that's great what you're saying of like connecting with your gut and just like follow your instinct. And also you're the one that is there with your child. You you said at the beginning, you thought that he was very smart, Jonathan, very smart. He came with ideas or communicated with you in a certain way for them to see that someone is saying that it's not smart, right? Right. I think that's people's go-to automatically without possibly considering that children... I think all children learn slightly differently, but especially a child with neurodiversity, sort of neurodiversity. I think we can't expect children to all learn the same way. And I think it's important to understand that um, when you're told that, if you don't think that's, you know, if that is true, I think it's important to keep trying to understand and figure out what your child needs to be successful. And how that impacted Jonathan through his his growth because I I see as well that these conditions can affect a lot of like self-esteem confidence how did you get into that mindset of okay positive thinking and embracing difference will make a positive impact on my child when he was little and people would tell him that he wasn't smart or you know I think it started to affect him negatively. And, you know, no matter how much support you give them, I think, I think words matter, you know, positive words are are great and negative words are difficult and impactful. And Mm -hmm. I think once we had him tested and he was told that it wasn't his, you know, his fault, that he just learned differently, that he had a reason for his learning differently I think he didn't understand exactly what dyslexia meant at first, but I think he realized, okay, I'm not dumb. And I think it really gave him the power to start start the process of learning what he needed to be successful. And I think it really helped him feel better about himself. Start from, from home, right? Like start having good conversations with them and let them... Em- I think it's important there to teach them as well how to face this maybe judgment or comparison with other kids at school, like from early Mm -hmm. age to let them embrace who they are. But how did you get support, for example, on the medical side? Did you get like it was easier for you to come and talk about this with the pediatrician or it was a struggle a bit of like finding someone that will really focus on that and see this is not just he's not as smart this is something else and so school was not supportive and keeping in mind John is 24 so you know things are changing but Mm -hmm. 
20 years ago, they weren't as willing, people weren't as willing to talk about dyslexia because I think there wasn't as much knowledge. And um, I have a friend who's a pediatrician and she and I were talking and then I went to his pediatrician who said, you know, who knew that I was, you know, the mother of so many children and said, I believe you, let's get him tested. And he helped direct me. So from that point of view, I was, I was very lucky. I had good support, but it took a while for me to understand what. Yeah. What questions to ask. I think that's key. And you were lucky because you had other children. You had a reference. You have the mm -hmm. reference to talk with your doctor, but what about those that are first parents and they don't know what's going on, right? So what would be those first questions to ask? I think the first kinds of questions to ask are, you know, if you're telling me my child isn't learning the same way, what are you seeing at school? Or um, talk to your pediatrician if you have one. Talk to other parents. I think now there's more out there and I think there are like Facebook groups and different community groups that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to try to get into a different community, you know, into different communities and start asking questions like, I'm seeing this in my child. Has anyone else seen it? Or um, school is telling me this, you know, does anyone else have thoughts about um, things they've seen in their children? And I think, you know, keep talking and keep asking questions mm -hmm. and try to find people to ask those questions if you just don't feel that something is right. Yeah. Well, that's why there's the, the saying of it takes a village to raise a child. Actually, that's one of our labels on this community because it's all about as parents learning as well to be a parent yes. and to educate. So you need to also have reference <laughs> around, yes. right? Tell us about the book, where this idea came from and how was also the development of Jonathan and because I see, I don't want to go into details right now because I want you to share a bit more about the story, how you develop it. But there's a specific way that he learned to communicate, right? That is through illustrations. But how is his how was his development through the years, and how you guys ended up with this amazing idea of launching this book? Thank you. We uh, live in a community, like I said, it was you know 20 years ago that we started trying to understand and. Um, you know, the school system where we live is, is a good school system, whatever that means. But <laughs> even the learning, even the learning specialist said to me quietly, I really can't help him here. I don't have the tools. I don't have the knowledge. I don't know enough about dyslexia. And I think, honestly, that is something, maybe a whole other conversation, but we assume that all teachers and learning specialists have the ability to help our children. And the truth is that's not always the case, no matter how good their intentions are. So we started looking around and we were very lucky. We found a wonderful school that teaches children with dyslexia or other language-based learning issues. And we made a family decision. Um, you know, the school's about 45 minutes away and, uh, you know, pricey. We ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly. You know, we decided that we really were going to make a family decision. And so John went there for a few years and was remediated, uh, learned how to read and write, but also learned that his superpower was dyslexia. It wasn't a, a disability. It was just a difference. And um, for us, that's 
how we that's how we learned and how John learned to overcome or to work with his that's beautiful and also connect with other children that he can relate to right yeah. and see like it's oh, not me I'm not the weirdo one you know like what's going on it's like no there's it's a condition doesn't mean that you you better or not than other ones it's just like you have different ways of learning and see the uh, world every single one of his friends from that school have gone on to be they're so clever in so many ways you know they all learned how to read and write to varying degrees but one of his good friends had applied to NASA. He's a, a space engineer. Um, they're runners and teachers and authors and actors and actresses. They are all very uh, interesting and they use their dyslexia right, for very different things. And they've all been very successful in different fields. That's beautiful. And you said something valuable that, as you said, should be another subject to talk about the educational system right like how it puts you in a box and how yes. many people like a previous the, the latest episode that um to this day we launched it's about discovering the genius and everyone has a genius yeah. it's just like we are so put in a box in a way that you have to go through certain standards but doesn't mean that that you are more special than other ones right yes. we all have our gifts is just discovering the best way to make them flourish. And you believe that there's a lot of uh, learning that you can get through neurodivergent um, kids and, and people. It's just a way, a different yeah. way. It's a different way of seeing life, a different way of expressing themselves or communicating. And as you said, like athletes, scientists, the engineers, like, come on, <laughs> we need to change the narrative on that. I love it. And Tell us about the book. So how this idea came out. So John, John's superpower, his, his dyslexic superpower is art. And that's, you know, before he could read and write, he chose to use art as a way to express himself. And when he was home, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people were home and he was home. He's an, he was an art major in college and it's pretty hard to do art virtually. So, you know, mm -hmm. he did work, but he was trying to find other ways to keep himself busy. And, you know, he was doing different art projects on his own. And I was also reading on FaceTime to my grandchildren. And so we started exploring what would it be like? Maybe we should write a kid's book and sort of one thing led to another. And that's how we came up with Robbie the Dyslexic Taxi. You know, how would happen if a car, a taxi, needed to go someplace and they couldn't read the signs. And so we started exploring that and that's how we came up with, with our, our kids book. I love it. I, I read it and I highly recommend it. It's very simple, but well illustrated. And what I love the most that I have to highlight here, it's the visual communication. So I'm a communication expert. I'm into branding, communications. I'm passionate about personal development. That's why I want to extend this into parenting and children. But just reading it and, and seeing like the, the illustrations, they communicate emotions so well. So I have here in my notes, like for example, when Robbie the taxi suddenly is very frightened Like the image <laughs> itself show how he was like shocked about the change of plans and he's like, oh my God, I can't read the signs. So how I can figure it out. Yes, exactly. 
I love the illustration. Jennifer clearly knows how to communicate himself through illustration and he can communicate emotions through that. So this is something that I wanted to highlight and share here on the podcast because parents out there or anyone, like there's, there's not one way to communicate. We just need to explore the best way for us to communicate. Of course, verbal communication is important, but seeing these illustrations, I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful because you're reading just a simple sentence, but the illustration itself shows the whole story in one image and the feeling. And that for dyslexic kids, it's perfect. It's perfect to connect with that, right? And finding another way to express themselves. That's something that I want to highlight there because it really uh, communicated very, very well. And also the emotion of cheering and celebrating, you know, like the, the, the milestone of like doing things differently. Yes. I think we have had such a, you know, always part of the reason we wanted to do this also was there really aren't a lot of kids books uh, dealing with neurodivergent issues. So, you know, John spoke from the heart, you know, we wrote this book and he wanted other children who might feel, you know, less than to feel good about themselves. And we've had such an amazing response. We've had some book signings. We've had wonderful people like you invite us to be on their podcasts. We've gotten to speak about this. We've been in, we, the book has won an award. And so we've decided that. We didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, So we won the creative child award. Beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, We've decided to write a whole series on neurodivergent issues under the umbrella of the creative cab company where Robbie works. And, uh, you know, that's, that is our plan to write a series uh, to explore other issues and other differences. And uh, so we're excited about that. Amazing. That's another highlight that I wanted to share in this story. You talk about this creative cab company where this taxi, Robbie, the taxi uh, works at. But what I love about it is that there are other cars there that are neurodivergent. It's a neurodivergent community. And the yes. fact that you guys want to keep working on different stories of different characters on this um, cap company, it's beautiful to build that community and keep growing the stories around that and share children as well since the early age that these conditions exist. And that's not one just one direction. It's they're different ones and different ways of personalities and conditions out there that are not good or bad. It's just, right? It is. People, everybody. I mean, if you if you want to even take, you know, whatever people say are, you know, normal learners, no one learns the same way. I have four children and John is the only one with dyslexia, but I have one child who excels at math. I have one child who's better with, you know, uh, learning the English language. I, you know, each of them has such a gift. And I think it's important to understand that it's okay. Everyone learns differently. You know, thank God I don't have to do math all all the time. (laughs) Yes. You know, so I think it's really special and important to celebrate everyone's learning differences. I love it. I thank you so much for sharing this story. And also the fact that Jonathan used his struggle as we can say as a catalyst for creativity to express his ideas and instead of you know like acting out and be like oh my god and and also you as a mother and you as a parent like 
embracing that and 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 cherish that and plant that seed of like you can succeed on this just find what suits you you know like if it's illustration go for it and tell this story it's amazing it's beautiful thank you so much yes i think i think that's one thing parents really need to feel okay like it's okay for my child to learn differently to see life through a different lens look at all the wonderful people who do have dyslexia and other neurodivergent things they those that have embraced it and have had family support i think have gone on to be so successful in whatever you know whatever success means in whatever field it is and um you know i appreciate so much that you've given us the ability to talk about the book on your wonderful podcast thank you lean and i have a last question for you what would be like the advice for parents out there like we cover already the educational support about like the educational system find the right place and i agree with you right now there's a lot of information out there communities that they can support but on the emotional impact and the long-term outcomes what will be your advice how you can guide them on i don't know career opportunities or life outcomes you know like how you can guide them if there's one thing that you can maybe say like i would love to have this guide back in the days what you have to share in addition of what we discussed today i think it's important um really important to embrace your your child your children and for whatever it is that you know they have who they are i think knowing that the child has support is wonderful but i think it's also important for parents to try to find support in whatever in whatever way they can i think you know podcasts like yours are wonderful i wish i had had some of these things and now if people want to reach out um we have a website creative cab company we're on you know different social uh, social media on instagram and facebook and we would love we you know we on the website we tried to put out some uh, platforms where they can find advice and help happy to reach out if people have questions and you know hopefully i have i have some wisdom and can and you know point them in the right direction but you know do ask pediatricians and friends and other therapists that they might know just keep communication open and i think mm-hmm. that's really the best possible Uh, the best possible thing for parents who might feel a little bit isolated don't don't feel negatively about your child's different embrace it and uh then try to find the support that you might need to help help your child be successful and, and for you to to feel like you have uh support as well thank you and i i would like to add here like having you as an example of how as well you extended that with your children and Jonathan is a great example of not only you becoming an advocate on dyslexia but supporting your child as well his, his passion and his way of expressing himself instead of making him feel like ashamed because as you said sometimes as parents like i feel ashamed i feel different like the outcaster you know like how i can manage it and sometimes you extend that you 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 extend that with your child to your child right like they and they can see maybe that um behavior in you so it's embracing it i think that's something that i will 
love to share about what I see from you and, and how you overcome it and now having this amazing book and the ones that are coming out. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think I think John knows he's in grad school now for his art. He, you know, we important for your child to feel supported because that's when they bloom and grow no matter no matter what what your child wants or needs in life. I don't I hope, you know, people understand that they can't put the children in the box that they want for them maybe. Mm-hmm. They need to let their own children explore their options and be, you know, if the parent's supportive, then they can do that. That is so valuable. I 100% agree with that. Definitely sometimes you <laughs> yeah. want to put them in, in the box that you wanted. Sometimes some parents also uh, project their expectations, personal expectations on their children, but how yes. important it is as well to make them feel seen and that you yes. take the time to understand them. Who better than I, Yes. Them, right? Definitely think that's an important takeaway. Yes. Awesome, so. Lingual. Thank you so much. Uh, where people can find the book? Tell us where people can get it. If anyone wants to buy it, where are the platforms where they can they can reach out? Oh, thank you. So you can buy it on Amazon. If you go into a local bookstore or even Barnes and Noble, and they don't have it, you can ask them to order it Barnes and Noble through their you know online portal. Bookstores can get it through, I think it's called Books a Million or bookshop.org. There are definitely ways that they can get it and access it through local stores and definitely through Amazon as well. And if they go to the website and can our website and can't find it, they can get a link there as well. Amazing. So I'm going to put on the description of this episode the website and anyone can find the link to Amazon on our Instagram, the Racing Sparks Collective. We're going to put the link there so people can reach uh, the the book directly from the Amazon link. Yes. Oh, thanks. And, you know, on our social media as well. So thank you for that. Awesome, Lin. Well, thank you so much for your time. All the success for this book. And I can't wait to see the other stories to come out soon. Thank you so much. I'll let you know when it does. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with fellow parents, educators, and anyone who believes in the power of raising the next generation with love and understanding. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Raising Sparks. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights that you can carry forward. Your support helps reach more listeners and continue this crucial conversation. So I welcome you to leave an honest review and follow us on social media at Racing Sparks Collective, where you can find additional resources, show notes, and links to connect with our incredible guests. Find Racing Sparks at your favorite podcast platform, and let's ignite a brighter future together. See you next time.